what I like about this is that it's not God telling them to be together and giving them that that freebie. I feel like this is God's more... always giving out freebies left and right. He's like, he's like, don't worry, guys. I know you tried to do a bigger beef, but then it didn't happen. So you're cool, man. You're all cool. Right for the slate clean. Um, instead, this is an instant of two people crossing great distances and great barriers to find closure and communion with one another. Yeah. So I really liked that reimagining of this. Yeah. Lillian, listeners, hi. We're back. It's Air Buds. How's it going, it's Lillian? It's Air Buds. Hey. It's going mostly good. How are you, Viper? I'm very good. Um, Lillian, it sounds like you, you're putting on a pretty cool voice for us today. Yeah, I've become a sexy lounge singer. Oh, I love it. It's recently. perfect. Career change for me. <laughs> Yay. Well, I think it's very adapt uh, for this topic of conversation here today. In fact, maybe I too should be speaking like this for the rest of our, our discussion. What do you Piper, think? I love you. I hate that. <laughs> it's so bad for me. I okay. love if, if I think maybe if I, if you hadn't been my best friend for almost 20 years, it would be cool. It would be a cool time for me. That was too weird. Made, made me feel weird. I didn't like it. All right. Well, Lillian will have the sexy voice and I will not, but that's okay. It's a sexy recovering from bronchitis voice, guys. Ooh. I can breathe today. And Yay. so that's why we're recording. Pretty cool times. Hooray. So this week we are talking about Jane Eyre fan fiction. Indeed. I am very excited about this because indeed. Yes, it's it's a thing. Um I am a longtime fan fiction reader and writer. I love it so much. And these fics that we read for today's episode, these are my first Jane Eyre fan fiction uh, stories. And I was going in, I was so curious to know, like, what are these going to be like? Because I feel like certain fandoms have, they attract different kind of like writers and readers and there's, you know, different vibes that you can expect from different fandoms. And so I was very curious to know how fans of Jane Eyre would continue the story or change the story uh, or embrace it. So this has yeah. been very fun for me. Well, and I have some questions because some of our listeners, I'm sure, I mean, people who are deep enough into fa fandom generally mm -hmm. to be listening to a Jane Eyre podcast <laughs> about Jane Eyre fan fiction probably have a rough idea at a minimum what those words mean. Mm -hmm. But can you, for people who don't understand, mm -hmm. um, or maybe they like have heard them, but they couldn't articulate what it is. What is a fandom? What is fan fiction? Mm -hmm. What are we talking about? So I would say that a fandom is uh, essentially it's the community that forms around any kind of like fictional property. Uh, so if you love Harry Potter, then you are in the Harry Potter fandom, technically. And then fan fiction is when someone, when, when, a, when an audience member and a movie love each other very much <laughs> and the movie ends and the audience member can't deal with the fact that the story isn't continuing, they take it into their own hands and they start to write stories that take place within that universe and with those pre-existing characters. And if we're lucky, they put it online and then people get to read it and comment on it and then expand upon these ideas. And I think it's a beautiful way to like connect people who love the same thing and to like get to 
an opportunity to not have to say goodbye to characters that you love. So I know for me, I often seek out fan fiction when I become like obsessed with a certain show or a movie. And I'm like, I just need more of this. Also, how dare they not have these two people fall in love like they were supposed to do in my dreams every single night. Thank God there are 5,000 stories out there that take care of that for me. So, (laughs) And you, I believe, are are famously the author of a book that could be argued to be fan fiction. Well, it is fan um, fiction. <laughs> it straight up is. Because, because it is. Um, and if you haven't had a chance to listen to our episode on A, a Dance, Dance with, with the, the Dead, Dead, you okay, always stumble on my book. It's because my brain wants to say Dancing with the Dead, mm-hmm. and I know that that's wrong, and then I start triple guessing, like I start like double guessing, and just being like, I don't even know anymore. The book is right there. I am looking at your book Yay. on my wall because <laughs> it's with all of my other Air Buds books. And I'm like, I could read it, but mm-hmm. I panic instead. <laughs> no worries. Yes. We have an episode about my book, A Dance with the Dead. If you go to adancewiththedead.com, you can find everything you need to know about it, the history of my writing experience, the art that I've created for it, where you can read it for free, where you can order a hardcover copy because I'm just that weird that I printed my book. <laughs> so you, um, you misspoke there. You said you're just that wonderful. Yes. And you created something impressive Thank and beautiful. You. I've read the whole thing. Loved it. Big fan. Thank you. 10 out of 10 would recommend. <laughs> but there's I, that's an example of a fandom that's uh, Haunted Mansion. Mm-hmm. There's another fandom that we have recently become familiar with because we accidentally activated them on the internet <laughs> during our 2006 re- watch um where piper mentioned offhandedly that she had started watching black sales mm-hmm. and had not finished it and everyone on the internet wanted to let us know i swear <laughs> to god we got like 15 messages from people being like i know that it starts slow you have to finish season one it's such a good show yes and we also got one of our lovely listeners who we love very very much kendra mm-hmm. informed us about this really cool project that she's working on Yeah, so she has launched her own podcast called Reading Between the Lines, and the first episode is out now. I checked it out. I was instantly blown away because where Lillian and I were joking about doing like beautiful voices, she actually Mm -hmm. has one. We get to hear her sing. At least I believe it's her singing. Um, She reads fiction aloud. She interviews uh, the people who are writing them, and so it's a great show, and I believe it the whole thing is going to i think mostly center on black sales fanfic but who knows she might be expanding into other genres and fandoms as well but yeah kendra, that's the impression love it as well yeah. love you kendra mm-hmm. big fan so if you are one of the people who felt justifiable need to reach <laughs> out to us and inform us that piper simply has to finish watching black sales <laughs> i think this podcast might be for you yeah Uh, Don't worry, guys. It's on my list um, because I love pirates and I am now a fan of Toby Stevens. I'm now a fan of Toby Stevens, too. So I'm happy to see him be a pirate so that the Toby Stevens army doesn't come and make me walk the plank. (laughs) They're they're a really intense bunch and they really liked that we noticed that they're a really intense intense bunch. Listen, I'll just say I'm glad you're on our side. Yeah. You know? (laughs) Uh, so, but how did you find so Piper actually picked out mm-hmm. the pieces that we read today? She I do not have the same familiarity with fan fiction. I have 
um, dipped my toe in just enough to be intimidated by the massive pool Hmm. of what like real fandoms and fan fiction is. Mm -hmm. So when we decided to do this episode, I went for sure, totally on board. You have to find it. I was scared. Nice. I was just going to ask you, Lillian, like what your sort of background or experience with fan fiction is, if any. Um, I had a few book series in recent years that um, are not finished yet. And I desperately... They, because they felt unfinished, my brain couldn't let them go. Mm-hmm. So I tried getting into some fan fiction and it was hard to learn how to navigate the tags and things like that. Cause there's all sorts of fancy things there mm-hmm. and find the things that I actually wanted to read. Yeah. Um, so I ended up reading like a few things that, um, didn't really grab my attention, didn't really stick around for them mm-hmm. and moved along to something else. So I'm going to sound like an old person when I say this, old in the terms of internet age. I way prefer fanfiction.net than archive of our own. And one thing I don't like about archive of our own is I think it's really easy to intimidate any kind of reader. Like I've been reading fan fiction for many, many years. And every time I go onto archive of our own, it's like miles of tags on every single yeah. story. And I'm like, do you really need a tag that says holding hands? Like is, unless that's the entire point of the story, do we need to know that like it goes hashtag walk, hashtag through park, hashtag in sunlight, hashtag under tree, hashtag they, hashtag they saw a squirrel. And it's like, you don't need to hashtag everything that happens. This is so weird. What are you doing? So I don't like the way that that site like uses the tagging system. I much prefer fanfiction.net. And I feel like if you want to try fanfiction again, do.net. And the best way to do it, in my opinion, so you type in either the the property you want to look for, or you can go right away and type in the couple name if it's like easy enough to identify. Scroll down to the bottom, use the filters. I always go by reviews. That's what I check for. So the mm-hmm. ones with the most reviews, I typically can assume are the most either well-written ones or the ones that are giving the people what they want. So that's a good way to start to be like, okay, I'm going to do this one that has 700 reviews on it because that probably has something I want. Just yeah, a bit I of also... advice. I also think that like, I've, I've wanted the rest of the story, Mm -hmm. but I've never had like, I've never been the person who like ships a particular couple so hard that I need to read about those two getting together. Gotcha. And I think that that is a very specific (laughs) itch that fanfic often scratches. Yes, very much so. But so the ones that we're reading though today, Mm -hmm. we had a lovely listener who we mentioned last time uh, the producer of our ballet episode, um, and I believe a producer credit on this one as well. Yeah. Paula. She created a Google Doc that had a whole bunch of fan fiction recommendations. I chose two stories from the list that she created for us, and then I went out on my own and I picked <clears throat> a third one. So, and it was, again, immaculate the way she'd set it all up. I don't know if you actually looked in there, Lillian, but she had it set up first to be like, this is just like sweet, cuddly things. This is all about like them together after they're married. This is all sex, not safe for work. (laughs) And like, she wrote little descriptions for each story. And I'm like, wow, I love this. So maybe we can ask Paula if we can share that document with our patrons. I'm pretty sure we shared the ballet one with our patrons. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure we're good to share this with our patrons as well. Cool. The patrons actually, already have the list of the three that we're reading now because they got that in advance. Awesome. Where 
people who don't pay us money <laughs> don't get to find out until Monday morning. Yeah. And it's fine. It's just <laughs> worse, you know? Yeah, you don't get $3, to do the Isn't it worth it? Yeah. You know? <laughs> so my method for selecting these options, Lillian, first of all, I wanted stories that weren't super duper long. Uh, I wanted some kind of like easy, digestible sort of nice little chunks. I think we had one that was 12 chapters and otherwise a five chapter. And then the sexy one, which we're saving for the end, it was just one chapter. So I wanted it to be something that we could easily read, but still give us enough kind of like stories. So they weren't just one shots. And then also I was looking for, I wanted like moments of cuteness. And I, I guess I probably should have maybe consulted with you to be like, what do you want out of this? So maybe next time we do this, we can go off of a Lillian checklist of like what she's looking for in her Jane Eyre fanfic. But I wanted some just like general tenderness and sweetness for Rochester and Jane. I wanted the reason why I picked the third one that I found on my own is because it gives us sort of an alternative version to the novel itself, where mm. the other two are just continuing the story after it's concluded. Mm. And I was really curious to see what changes an author would make to Jane Eyre itself. So that's why I chose um, the one we're going to talk about, uh, the second one, Amended String. And then for the the sexy one, I just kind of did a quick a quick little like scan through and I'm like, that looks like it's probably pretty good. <laughs> Send it to Lillian and hopefully there's no weird surprises. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad because I wouldn't have known that you hadn't read it before recommending it. Mm -mm. And so I could have stumbled upon some weird very specific kink and thought I was learning something about Piper and I'm glad <laughs> that that didn't happen no but yeah yeah I just I browsed it and I was like looks, <laughs> looks like it's readable and like probably pretty good so I, I just chose that one without reading it first so yeah and I liked them all I think they were all fun I think it is a lot of the fan fiction that is out there is for like more modern properties or often where people are like filling in a gap of like, this didn't work in this thing. Mm -hmm. So the actual initial thing, um, in my opinion, like it doesn't have to be super high quality for there to be a really vibrant fan community around it, writing fan fiction for it. Mm -hmm. I think it's tough when you're writing Jane Eyre fan fiction, mm -hmm. especially a couple of these were, I, or I think almost all of them were like, trying to emulate a similar style mm -hmm. to one of the greatest authors of all time. Yeah. And that's tough. It is. So I did have to be really careful to put that part of my critical brain to the side. Mm -hmm. And I only have, I think, like two notes specifically on some word choices that some of the authors made. Yeah. But in general, I was trying to, my feeling with fan fiction, and you let me know, if this is the right way to be doing it since I'm such a novice, <laughs> is it's a vibe situation. Like it's not really about like the nitty gritty. It's about the vibe and it's about like what would the imagination of like what would these characters be doing in this situation? Yeah. And I think different people who read fanfic would give you a different answer to that question. Like for me, I'm mostly looking to like check certain boxes, right? Like I'm after a certain ship or there's certain tropes that I'm like really hoping for and I can get the sense that they're going to be in there. It's like, oh, there's definitely going to be a scene where they get caught in the rain. Oh, there's definitely going to be like a kidnapping thing, but it's great. She's into it. Don't worry about it. Like certain things I'm like, so long as that's there, that's like what I'm after. Not necessarily seeking fan fiction for a 
Charlotte Bronte quality of writing. Yeah. Now and then you stumble across those and you're like, holy shit. You're like, this is amazing. Like, I can't mm. believe this is fan fiction. I love this so much. But that, at least for me, I don't go in. And if I, if the fanfic doesn't come across as like a, a incredibly established novel, I don't throw it aside. I'm like, no, I'm, I'm not necessarily here for that. I'm here for the story and the characters and to see what for you're sure. going to do with them. Yeah. Yeah. And that's absolutely the same vibe that I got from this. And I think that like, like you said, I think there is a negative stereotype that people have around the quality of fan fiction Mm -hmm. because there is no gatekeeping with it. There is no like publisher. There's not some really intense editing process. Anybody can create something and write it and put it out there. I think both you and I agree on this for obvious reasons, you, but I'll go ahead and explicitly articulate Fan fiction is a very valid form of writing. It's a way to create art. It is its own thing. It's it's a great way to, whether it's an introduction to figuring out a type of writing or it's just a new way for you to stretch those creative muscles. Like fan fiction writing can have really high quality, mm-hmm. but it also doesn't have to. That's kind of what I meant by that is like, it, if anybody, I do marketing writing all the time. Any, every single thing that I publish ever has a whole other person that has read every social media post I put out always gets checked again because inevitably you're going to have some level of mistake in those things. Mm -hmm. These people are writing like the short ones that you have here are 7,000 words. Yeah. So like these people are writing large pieces. They, they maybe don't like the people who are reading them the first times are the ones who are acting as the first editors being like, Mm -hmm. Hey, you have a typo in paragraph three, chapter four, like so the that's what I mean by like the quality, you just switch your bar a little bit because mm-hmm. there's not a team of people where I usually read more polished public published works mm-hmm. or, you know, again, Jane Eyre. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So we are not holding any of these authors up to the level of Charlotte. We are simply we have saying, to find. <laughs> yes, we are simply saying thank you for sharing your creativity with us. And we're so excited to talk yeah. about these stories that we've chosen today. Yeah. Yeah. So what's the first story we're going to talk about, Piper? So the first story that we're going to be talking about today is Some Enchanted Evening, written by Winnem, that is their username on fanfiction.net. And it's 12 chapters, uh, 14,000 words. And the description is brief, simple, and it totally made me want to read it. It simply says, in preparation for a ball, Rochester teaches Jane how to dance, a continuation. So that is the first story that we read today. Lillian, general thoughts. I liked it. Mm-hmm. Your general thoughts for me were already spoiled because a fun new theme for our podcast is that you spoil your opinions to me of things and tell me, you go, don't tell me what you think. I loved it. <laughs> I feel like that's not a spoily. I'm just giving a general like plus or minus. I didn't go into details. I could have read it and been like, I bet Piper hated this and then been wrong. <laughs> Yeah, I guess so. But then that would just prove how much you don't know me because I love cute, sweet little moments like a husband and wife learning how to dance together. And he's the instructor, even though he's blind and it's the cutest thing ever. That was like that was the thing when I was talking earlier about how like fan fictions, you kind of have to set certain things aside. Mm -hmm. I was very proud of myself for not getting caught up in the practicality of the blind man did not teach her how to dance in a, and then like do 
they danced one time and then they go to a big ball and dance in the middle of a ball while he boldly leads them across the floor blind. <laughs> Their love guided him, Lillian. <laughs> he doesn't need to see when he has love in his heart for Jane. <laughs> so wild. And then the idea that like, so in this story, Blanche invites them to a ball. And about halfway through the story, this is very much based off of the 2006 BBC, by the way. Yes. I don't know if that much. was something we had context from before, but while I was reading it, it was super clear to me. But Mr. Elton, or what's his name? Is it Elton? I think that's right. Yeah. Um, he's at the ball as well. And Jane dances with him. And while that's happening, Blanche and her fiance have whisked blind Rochester off to some <laughs> corner of the garden where he's now <laughs> trapped because he doesn't know how to get out of there. And then oh they God. lie to Jane about where he is. So Jane has to just discover him. And it's sweet and cute, but also mm-hmm. just buck wild. Oh my god, it's so cute. That's what I love about, like, I'm so used to little fanfiction kind of tropes. Not that whisking a blind man <laughs> away to a conservatory is a trope, but there's just, like, the way... <laughs> The way that a lot of fanfics are are written is because, like, pretty much you write a chapter and you post it. So it has this sort of serialized kind of, like, read through. Mm-hmm. So a lot of chapters will end sort of with cliffhangers. So, yeah, I thought it was so great that Jane goes to dance with um, the guy who's studying twins. And she comes back and she's like, but my husband was nowhere to be seen. End of chapter. And it's like, <laughs> oh, my gosh, what's happening? And then you go back to the next chapter. And there it is. But and she's like, I tried um, not to panic because he wasn't a child. But he was blind. <laughs> I have to say, I think that was one of my favorite parts about reading these. Because in all three stories that we read for today, Rochester has lost his sight. Mm-hmm. And what I think is so interesting about reading that as his like main kind of state of being mm-hmm. is in Jane Eyre, he is only blind for a very brief section of the story. And then they quickly amend that. And they're like, oh, but God gave him his sight back. So don't worry about it. So I think it's really interesting that we get, I think a lot of authors must be intrigued by that element of their relationship Mm -hmm. of when Jane needs to kind of be his eyes. And they both need to navigate this new way of interacting with the world. And it was just really cool. I loved, yes, a blind man teaching Jane to dance. I mean, that's just like kind of fun. But there were so many other things that they got to address and explore Mm -hmm. because of his inability to see in this story but then in the others that we're going to talk about and I I just really liked it well and I think the thing that felt the most the fan service I came here for like the reason I'm here is for this fan service is the idea that like Rochester still not a big fan of the rest of the world huge Mm -hmm. fan of Jane I like yes. the moment where she finds him in the conservatory. He hears her footsteps on the gravel and he goes, who is here? Go away. <laughs> and, then he, and then Jane's like, okay, fine. And he goes, Jicks, unless you're my wife. Cause yeah, I'm not, please come back. Because I love my wife. So he's like bitter and angry unless Jane is there. And then he's the happiest man on earth, which is for sure real. Yes, exactly. I think that's one thing that um, Wyndham did really well is that like right from the start, she kind of talks about uh, Rochester's temper and how he kind of like snaps at people, which I feel like would be enhanced by his frustration that he can't see and now has to depend Mm -hmm. on others. And so I liked that that characteristic maintained true throughout this. And you're right. It's so charming to see you know, Jane is the one that he's kind to and like all the tenderness that he reserves like solely for her. I feel like even though it's not written, well, 
some some parts of this have a bit of a first person perspective because they're doing the whole like reader I did this mm-hmm. reader I did that thing um but I think it is very interesting to Jane because she is you know this plain person that the audience can kind of insert ourselves into her shoes and kind of like think through her perspective and so if you're someone who has a big crush on Rochester, then these are the stories for you because he's amazingly kind and doting to her and then brooding about everything else. So. Well, and I also think that like it's so reflective of what I see their relationship as going forward, which is like that idea that she said during whatever portion, I think it was between engagement and finding out the truth. She's like, you're not going to love me forever. That's not how things work. Yes, he is. <laughs> yes, he is. He's yeah. gonna he's gonna find it charming every time you walk into a room. He's yeah. gonna yell at he's going to yell at an orchestra for saying this is the last dance of the night, and he goes, You owe me nine more dances. Yeah, so cute. <laughs> oh my gosh. One thing also that was great is I so often when I'm reading not just like fan fiction, but also just like romance and stuff in general, it's always about like a couple who are falling in love with each other mm-hmm. or are coming together. And so all three of these were stories, at least the second one kind of, but these are mostly stories about this husband and wife. Yeah. And that is like really sweet and refreshing to read. I like domestic cuteness, like little scenes of bliss. Yeah. Like not everything needs to be this, you know, grand, like interrupting of a thing and like coming and st- clearing your emotions. They've done that now. And so now they can have these like precious little daily sparks yeah. of love and life. And it's so nice. So let's talk about the end of this because uh, yes. it's not that at the very end to my mind. No, I, before we talk about the end, I just need to say that there is a line that this author wrote um, when the old ladies are gossiping at the ball. And one of them says to Miss Ingram's like, did you not alert him to the dangers of governesses? And I was like, oh my God. Well written, Wynnum. I love this. There are absolutely lines like that in all three of these where they're pulling like, <laughs> do you know Jane Eyre, the thing that we're reading? This is that thing. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so let's talk about the ending of this story, because I liked the beginning way better than the ending. I didn't dislike the ending, but it felt a little heavy-handed to me. Heavy-handed is the right term for what happens at the end of this story. So Jane decides, there's a whole plot point where Blanche's fiancé wants to buy Thornfield because... Blanche wants to have Thornfield out of spite, out of spite and being bitter because she (laughs) didn't grow through this whole experience. And Jane insists on them keeping it and they're going to invest it and fix it up so that their family can have it and blah, blah, blah. So she asks Rochester to go and he's, it's going to be hard for him, but Jane wants to do it. So he'll do anything for his little Jane. And they go and it is all about Bertha. It is just two chapters about what Bertha meant to them in their lives. Yeah, including them literally standing on the spot where apparently she's splattered. And he's like, can we move away from here? I feel uneasy standing where she fell. And I'm like, oh, my God. And then the answer to that is, yeah, let's go get her actual body and stand on top of that at her grave. Yeah, they go visit her grave. So here's how I interpreted this, because this ending, it felt like it 
it made a severe turn yeah. from the tone of what the first part of the story was all cuteness and just like kind of fan service. But I feel like as the writer was working on this, I think they maybe felt the need to sort of like fix what I assume mm-hmm. they thought some of Rochester's faults were yeah. and have him, they wrote him as extremely remorseful and he did a lot of time in the last two chapters, they're just kind of talking about, he's like, Oh, it was, I should have treated her better and all this other stuff. And it's like, I mean, I feel like you can do this, but it doesn't need to be two chapters. And I feel Mm -hmm. like you're really putting words in the character's mouth. This doesn't feel like Rochester. This very much feels like you being like, I think he needs to say this so that we can move on with loving Jane and Rochester. Well, And I think Jane and Rochester in their first few months of being married, are going to probably want to go read a poem at Bertha's gravesite. <laughs> that was a lot from the Bible. <laughs> it was a yeah. lot. Yeah, it was a lot. Specifically a Bible that Helen gave her. The part of yeah. the Bible that Helen liked. <laughs> Jesus. So ending, I was like, eh, whatever. But I really liked all the cuteness in the beginning. Yes. It was very, okay. it was very cute. If you want like a cute fan service Rochester being an angsty boy, except for Jane. Um, Mm -hmm. Very good read. So our second story that we're talking about today, this is one that I selected by just doing sort of a browse uh, in the Jane Eyre archive on fanfiction.net. So this one uh, comes to us from Wooly Hat. And I'm going to read the description for this real quick. No disembodied voice calls out to Jane that night by the fire, and she accepts Sinjin's proposal. However... Mr. Rochester hears of the intended wedding and must make sure it is truly what Jane wants. A reimagined ending, not because there is anything wrong with the existing one, because I just can't get enough of that reunion. Yay. So I just found that so intriguing. I think I mentioned earlier, but I might have cut it in my edits, that I picked this one because it did a reimagining of an element of the story as it is in the plot of Mm -hmm. the book. Everything else that I had seen otherwise was just kind of extending their story after the events of Jane Eyre. And so I was very curious to see how an author who likes the story attempts to change it. Yeah. Um, so talk to me about your thoughts on this one, Lillian. I'm going to actually just read you all three bullet points I wrote during the <laughs> reading of this because I read it and got to the end and didn't take notes. Um, so these okay. are the three notes that I wrote. One, I love this. Two, I hate Sinjin. Three, yeah. very cute. Yay! <laughs> Moving on. Story three. No, we just did kidding. It. <laughs> yeah, I also really liked this. I I think the thing that I found very romantic about this is that so the way that it exists in the novel is, you know, it's this kind of magical realism moment. And I feel like that's sort of the story has been kind of hinting at, is there supernatural elements at work here? And then we have that moment where she hears his voice. Mm -hmm. And I think because especially it's surrounded by this sort of like spiritual influence, um, both her kind of tapping into her own spirituality to be like, what should I do? And then also with uh, Sinjin being an asshole and touching her head and praying that she'll stay like a freak he's the worst (laughs) he's the worst so what i like about this is that it's not god telling them to be together and giving them that that 
freebie. I feel like this is God's more... always giving out freebies left and he's right. Like, he's like, don't worry, guys. I know you tried to do a bigger me, but then it didn't happen. So you're cool, man. You're all cool. Right in the slate clean. Um, instead, this is an instant of two people crossing great distances and great barriers to find closure and communion with one another. Yeah. So I really liked that reimagining of this. Yeah. Essentially, since Jane does not hear this voice and she's like, I guess this is what I should do. She accepts Sinjin's proposal. Mm -hmm. uh, she has a nice little shopping day with her future sister-in-laws and the whole time feeling just kind of weird about it. But she's like, I I'm going to grow into it, I guess. I don't know. I, I just kind of got to get out of here. And then it's the day of the wedding and Sinjin's acting kind of weird and they get there and thank God she happens to just kind of pan her gaze through the mostly empty mm -hmm. church because who's sitting in the back but a mysterious man with his hat lowered low over his eyes. <laughs> uh, it was Mr. Rochester. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Is that a question for me? It was Mr. Rochester. I was kind of leading you uh, in if you wanted to talk more. No, for sure. Yeah. So Mr. Rochester is there and she does what any sane person would do, which is ditch her wedding and follow the guy that she's in love with and be like, mm -hmm. hey, man, what's up? And he's like, <laughs> did you read my letter? And she goes, for sure. I'm not marrying somebody who would hide a letter from me. Anyway, goodbye. goodbye. And then she walks back <laughs> into the church and turns to her her potential sister-in-laws and goes, this isn't happening. Yeah, this and wedding is over. <laughs> tell them first, important. <laughs> walks up to Sinjin and is just like, the letter, my guy? And he's mm -hmm. like, I brought it. And why did he bring it to the chapel? I love that he did. I, I mean, we needed it. it for the intensity. I brought it because it sucked. Because I thought about giving it to you because I knew I should, but I didn't. And then oh, man. I'm actually pissed at you. And if it weren't for very realistic Sinjin, if it was just me claiming you, I would have canceled this wedding right now. But since it's God, we can go forward. <laughs> Oh my god. Well, I loved the line that she wrote. I didn't actually write down the exact quote, but when Jane comes back to him at the altar, he in a very quiet, restrained, angry little voice goes, Are you thoroughly through embarrassing me? Which is <laughs> like, yeah, no, probably not. <laughs> no, can I pants you real quick? Just for I'm gonna pants you and then kick you in the dick. <laughs> and then maybe we'll be close to even to you keeping <laughs> critical information from me. Because you are actively manipulating me. Yeah, yeah. So she gets hold of the letter, which is just a beautifully written little chunk in this story. Because essentially, it's Rochester, you know, finds out that Jane is staying with the Rivers. And he very respectfully writes this letter to Sinjin. And he admits like pretty much everything in the letter he's like i fell in love with her and i didn't tell her i was married and i tried to marry her and she found out and she left reasonably totally get it uh and he's just all sweet and he's like i just want to provide for her and make sure that she has everything she needs so you can be like the distributor of my my wealth just make sure that it goes to her comfort and this like pisses off sinjin and he also mentions in the letter too he's like oh by the way if she's still interested i'm single now so i totally marry her please give her this message Little did he know he was giving it to the like angriest little man ever <laughs> who who's, who is has a direct line to God, which frankly would make life more convenient, um, <laughs> make getting those freebies a little easier. But another line that I really loved that happened earlier in the story is when Jane, I think it's like around the time they're doing the shopping trip, and she's sort of like, 
I don't know that I should be marrying Sinjin, but if I can't marry Rochester, why not marry Sinjin, you know? And then she goes, but also, I did sort of yell at Rochester about those exact same practical reasons to marry Blanche. Well, my hypocrisy, not lost on me, but also not going to change anything. Amazing, yes. No, I loved that too. The whole line about I would scorn such a marriage. Uh-huh. Um, and now here she is. And she's like, well, Listen, <laughs> it all goes around, comes around. Sometimes you grow up and life gets more complicated and you marry your cousin because he tells you that God wants you to. Oh my God. Um, so she goes off into the woods because uh, John uh, has been the like assistant to bring him there, Mr. Poor Blind Rochester. Um, and she's like, oh no, he's lost in the woods. And she like goes running through the woods <laughs> looking for him, finds that he's like fallen and sprained his ankle again. And he's crying and she thinks it's because he hurt himself, but it's because he loves her so yeah. much. And he thinks that she's gone and they have a very cute moment sitting by a tree. And that scene... So much. It felt to me just like the ending of the 1994 Little Women when Professor Bear thinks that Joe is married and he's all like, I wish I could stay, but Mm -hmm. I got to catch a train and go west. And she's like, no, don't (laughs) stay with me forever, please. Um, So that whole thing was very, very cute. Uh, My last note on this is that our our edgelord baby boy Rochester would totally torture himself by attending Jane's wedding. He's like... (laughs) He's like, I must go and sit in the corner and suffer as she marries another. But there's like, if she hadn't have spotted him, there's no way he would have lasted that whole thing. No. He would have either stood up and made a scene or he would have stormed out of there blind and tripped over a tombstone. And that's like, <laughs> does anybody object? And he's like, no, I can't object, but I can't stay here. Immediately trips over three guests making very loud noises on his way to the church. <laughs> <laughs> poor cute blind rochester um, the other thing that i really liked is there were so many parallels between jane finding him in the woods with his sprained ankle and the mm-hmm. and the opening him first meeting jane in the woods and he immediately calls that out and my ankles aren't safe around you is a very rochester-esque line and there was <laughs> lots of like fairy and witch accusations going around that i loved (sighs) okay so everybody if you don't like people talking about married couples having sex on their wedding night then turn off the podcast this is your signal to get out this is your exit here sign (laughs) thank you for coming follow us on social give us five stars three dollars patreon goodbye (laughs) goodbye (laughs) okay so Our third story uh, is one selected from Paola's list of not-safe-for-work fix that she had picked for us. And this one is entitled Flesh of His Flesh. Gross. And it's it's written by Lori Love. This one is on Archive of Our Own. And um, the description says... A look at Jane and Edward's wedding night and the days following. Their proper wedding night in chapter 38. They at last complete their relationship, mind, soul, and body. And I convey Jane's feelings, details and all of what that means to her. So this is this person's take on their wedding night. Lily and I talked offline that we're not going to go into detail about like, you know, what happened specifically because this is a, like, sex scenes are described in detail. So... I think the thing that I liked about this is that I feel like she tapped into the energy that I do see Jane having Mm -hmm. of her being very like, oh, 
I have been waiting for this. I am ready. You are my husband. Like, teach me the ways of love, daddy. <laughs> so, like, I liked that she wasn't, like, super scared and yeah. bashful because Jane's strength really came through in these moments. And I, I liked that a lot. I also think it's reflective of the less explicit sexual mm-hmm. desire in Jane Eyre itself, but mm-hmm. also... I thought it was a really good example of what I like about romance novels that go there that like actually Mm -hmm. express that. And it's about the intimacy. It's about the like power in owning your own sexual desire. Like Mm -hmm. Jane is not afraid of the fact that she wants to have sex with Rochester and more than once says she feels no shame about it. And like, yeah, I think that that's, that's what I like. That is what romance novels gave me was like mm-hmm. a a feeling of ownership over my own sexual desires. And I think this does a really good job of giving that to Jane in a way mm-hmm. that I frankly think Charlotte Bronte would be on board with. Totally. Absolutely. I think we talked a lot in the chapters where Jane is away from Thornfield after the truth is revealed and just how horny she came across. <laughs> And I feel like this is a good kind of release of that energy for her. Um, and this is not the, I, I have a few lines that I actually copied out of this because Archive of Our Own would actually let me copy lines out of it into my notes. Um, hey, an- another good thing, by the way, if you're an author writing fanfic is that fanfiction.net, people can't copy and paste your work. Hooray. Yeah. But then they also can't quote you on a podcast. So it's sort of like a double-edged sword there. <laughs> um but the line, there was a couple of lines. None of these, I promise, none of these are super spicy. So don't get <laughs> scared. But one of the first lines that I wrote down that I think is an example of like the way that something can be about physical intimacy, but is really about your own understanding of yourself. As my love kissed me, opened me up to him and gave me back, I knew that I was indeed me. This was me, Jane Rochester all that I have ever meant to be, wanted to be, or needed to be. And I think that's so like well put. And especially since so many of the adaptions play with that idea of like, what is Jane Rochester? And Mm -hmm. often like we've talked about different, um, I believe it was the 94 radio adaption has this like almost haunting character of Jane Rochester that mixes with Bertha And the idea that in this moment, when they are meant to be together, when they're married and they come together, that that that's when she feels wholly herself and this Mm -hmm. version of herself that she's always wanted to be, which is Jane Rochester, and that she found that in her love with him. Yeah, absolutely. No, it was so good. I also really like a... So this this one was like essentially a one shot. It was just one chapter, um, but it like kind of took us between three different kind of major moments. They first have this. So they get married without any like pomp and circumstance. Mm-hmm. So it starts with them just celebrating with like a picnic on the moors. And that's kind of where they first start to kind of smooch and cuddle and get excited. And Jane's all like, we can do it here. And he's like, no, I must take you to the bedroom and treat you like a princess. Mm-hmm. And she's all like, OK, <laughs> I'm fine with whatever. So. I like that it kind of like kind of progresses. So they they're there and then they get to get all, you know, like wet and cute in the rain and they get back to the house. And it was a really cute moment, I thought, too, of the thoughts that she wrote for Jane before they enter the bedroom, because Mm -hmm. she thinks back to 
when she saved him from the fire and how often she had wished she could have another opportunity to be his savior just to enter his room and be close to him again and i'm like oh my god that's so cute and now she gets to enter his room as his wife and explore this new exciting part of their relationship so that was so cute and before you go on to the next part there's another parallel to that scene um a little bit later when they actually get into the room um, which similar to what we talked about in some of the other ones, like explicit uh, references back to the core of Jane Eyre, the novel. He says, are you cold, Jane? And she says, no, I am more. It's so cute. It's so cute. I think, uh, yeah, Lori Love, who wrote this, did a great job of kind of adding things back from the story to be mm-hmm. like, hey, we all were feeling hot and bothered <laughs> at certain points. <laughs> so here you go. Um I one thing that I also really loved that uh, Lori Love did with this is that because Rochester's blind, he can't see Jane, obviously. Mm-hmm. And so there's so much in this when they're like starting to get intimate with one another, where she is the one just kind of observing his body and just mm-hmm. kind of, you know, being excited about what she sees. And that's something that I feel like I've read in a lot of romance and and like sexual scenes where it's like talking about the man kind of not objectifying, but sort of like admiring Mm -hmm. the woman's body and not so much the woman admiring his body in return. And I think it has, at least for me, always been something that's exciting about Rochester that, I mean, Charlotte Bronte points out that he has this kind of athletic build Mm -hmm. and that he's like this broad shouldered guy. And so I like that that little Jane is like, ooh, and his shoulders were broad and he had this strong (laughs) chest and his waist was narrow. It was snatched. and I (laughs) loved it. And I was just like, oh my God, Jane, you are just loving everything you see in it. It's so cute. Yeah, it was really, really well done. Another uh, line that I wrote down here. I have two more. They get more explicit as we go along. I'm realizing <laughs> um, this one was after they had enjoyed one another's company, and Rochester <laughs> is bragging about his own performance and talks about how he made he her is. fly. And she <laughs> responds with the only possible response, which is, "I'm a fairy, sir. I could already fly." <laughs> It's so good. She did the pillow talk really well. So cute. So sweet. I also really loved that she referenced. So because, yeah, Rochester does have this kind of cockiness about him Mm -hmm. (laughs) that he's like, he's like, I've had many lovers and I'm skilled in the way of lovemaking. So I can't wait to show you everything. And like, that is so much like him to be like, aren't I worldly and (laughs) sexually talented Jane? And she's like, yeah, I mean, I haven't been with anybody else. So maybe you suck, but it's good for me. (laughs) Yeah, he's... He's, there's some other things that he does that are a little more explicit. It's like, um, you didn't know about that? And it's like, of course she didn't, you dumbass. Jesus Christ. She went to Lowood. When would she have learned about that? When her and Helen are having their secret slumber parties. Duh. That was very sexual. <laughs> um but yeah no i liked that even though jane reflected on the fact that he's had previous lovers like she didn't spiral into like self-doubt and jealousy she was just like oh well i get to benefit from his practice it's convenient <laughs> to have somebody who's been experienced and knows how to make you have orgasms <laughs> it was great uh, uh and yeah then there is like a like romantic scene kind of part two where they like have some time and then they're making love again and it's just kind of because the first time was meant to be very like 
literally her first time. So he was being very gentle. And then the second time they get to have a bit more fun. But again, there was, it was perfectly written for just a lot of like care for one another. And that's what I love to see is just people being like, I want to make you feel good because that makes me feel good. And it was very sweet. Very sweet. Last most explicit line after which I (laughs) wrote in my own notes, the word blush. Uh, a line that like I just couldn't not read for our podcast, mm-hmm. um, but is the dirtiest thing I've said on a recording, which is <laughs> I was so little after all, and he was so big. <laughs> Again, we love the size difference in more ways just, than one. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> this has been three of many fanfics that are out there by many talented and passionate writers who have said to the world, I love this. I want more. I think I can contribute to what's out there for these, uh, these characters. So I will be linking these three in the description. Uh, if you didn't already see that, you can go down and read them if you want to. These are short ones. We will probably be doing a part two where we maybe look into both longer fanfics something a bit more in depth so if you have good suggestions feel free to send those to us uh at airbuds on social or airbuds at uh gmail.com um but then also we are planning for patreon uh lillian and i Mm -hmm. we're creative writers we've got ideas yeah um we're gonna write our own fanfics for jane and rochester or just for uh jane Eyre in general and i would like to to please be graded on a curve Um, because I would like everybody to know Piper has written a whole ass book and I have the people who have read read my creative writing are currently on this podcast and she's very good Piper is the only person who's ever read any of my creative writing I only really write for me and I just had this idea for a fan fiction for Jane Eyre and couldn't stop myself, wrote the whole ding-dang thing in one sitting, emailed Piper, was like, hey, what if we wrote our own fan fictions for the podcast? Yes, I already wrote mine. <laughs> mine is already done. It's 5,000 words. Does that feel right to you? Oh my God, I'm so excited to read it. Um, if it's anything like the writing that you shared with me before, that it's going to be wonderful okay, because I already loved that. So uh, if you are a Patreon member, you get to read our takes on what happens next or rewriting a scene or reinterpreting a scene. Who knows what's going to happen? And then later in the year, we'll probably release this episode for the rest of you all. Yeah, so um, we we are going to actually release these stories on our website. I know what you guys are thinking. You guys never mention a website. I spend a lot of time on our website. I've built it out a lot. I think since even Piper has been on there, everything's all organized and nice. And you can just, you can listen to it right on the page now because of YouTube videos. It's a, it's a great website. Go to our website. And on yeah. our website, you'll be able to read both of our selections. Mine will be on there for sure Monday. Um, Piper's has, is still in, in the in the chamber. Um, Mm -hmm. and whenever, so at some point next week that will also be up there and then we will be releasing sometime in the next month or so a bonus episode, um, for the, for the Patreon specifically, where we will talk through our experiences, writing those and talk about what we thought of each other's stories. So that will be available on our Patreon for members at a level. I don't remember. I want (laughs) to say it was, for Miss Temple level, but I honest to God do not remember. Which is only 
what five dollars you always say eight dollars only eight dollars eight dollars eight bucks eight bucks yeah so then Perfect. you get to hear our t- our takes on that. You get to see um, gorgeous pictures from our trip and a fun yeah. backstage video from Robert from the musical. Mm-hmm. If oh my you are, God. and that only costs you three dollars. You guys join our Patreon. Yeah. It's cool there. People are cool there. Lillian, you and I have only chatted about this via text, but that was the best. It was I so loved good. <laughs> That they filmed that and sent it to us because we had talked about how his party wig was amazing. And they like, they're like, this party wig is leveling up and you guys get to see it. So it's so great. So thank you guys for that. It was fantastic. Our- it made me, there were uh, everyone um, at Have a Pie. <laughs> yeah, bye <bye-bye. laughs> we, we love you guys. The response we got from last week's episode was so lovely. Um, so many of the cast and crew reached out and said they listened to it. And we were so grateful to be able to be this tiny little part of your guys's incredible show. So yeah. we really appreciated all of that. And thank you to everyone who responded there and to all of our regular OG listeners who hang out with us all the time. Yeah. Um, you guys and should... special shout out to Katie too. Yeah. Hi Katie. Katie. Our Jane patron. Every Hello. day. Every day I Piper always... and I text each other, way to go, Katie. <laughs> I literally I did this every time too. I, I always wave as if Katie, imagine me waving at you. Katie, <laughs> Katie, Katie you we can't wave every see. time. <laughs> we only record sometimes, but we always wave. <laughs> um next week we are going to be doing another book. Um, mm-hmm. It is our first graphic version of Jane Eyre, um, not in any sort of violence way, but in just like a drawing <laughs> way. Um, we're doing, it's manga, manga, manga. I'm going to say it both ways every time. That's okay. Yeah. I feel like that is the ongoing debate. Chicken or egg? No, it's manga it's or manga. It's the gif or gif of comics. Yeah. So yeah, we're reading the Jane Eyre uh, manga, manga, and um, uh, it's got beautiful art. So we're going to be talking about uh, how Jane Eyre is interpreted in a visual style, yeah. specifically a Japanese art style. I'm so, loving reading it. I will be yay. finishing it this weekend on a road trip to Michigan for my brother's wedding. Amazing. Yay. You should read uh, a Jane Eyre passage as part of your toast. I don't. <laughs> um, I decided... Uh, Though Holly, if you're listening, love you, Holly. That's my soon-to-be sister-in-law. She was an OG fan. Love you, Holly. Um, (laughs) She she did give me permission to make Jane Eyre references during the wedding um, (laughs) and then did confirm with me that as far as I'm aware, my brother does not have any women locked in the attic. Oh, good. Very good. It's important. You got to just make that double quick check before you tie the knot. I highly recommend asking your in-laws that, um, mm-hmm. it's kind of regardless of your situation, just real quick, like Piper, just text Tommy and be like, any wives? Are you sure? Cause they're not in our attic, but maybe they're in Tommy's. Maybe Tommy, he's holding on to them for her. <laughs> Tommy, why you do that? Nah, he's a good boy. <laughs> so Thank you guys so much for joining us for this. Um, yes, please leave a five-star review and a uh, describe your favorite fanfic trope. Yes. Um, yeah. And then also, yes, send us. You have our email. So if you have longer fics or even a fic of your own that you want to mm-hmm. share with us, send it our way. We'd love to read it and talk about it. Yeah. So this has been Airbuds. Happy Jane Eyre reading, watching, and fanfiction writing. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Jane Eyre nights. Airbuds nights. Ha, 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 ha.